Father, we love to be in your presence. We love to be in your presence, Jesus. I pray, God, that this statement that we sing, God, I know that it's the Father's heart for every single one of us, especially for our children, Lord God, that they learn now, early on. They learn early on that there's nothing else that will do. There's nothing that can satisfy like the presence of Jesus because we were created by him for him. And only he can complete us. Only he can fill the void that we have within our heart. Father, establish that in our children today. And for those of us adults that maybe have forgotten, as those verses sing, I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Father, I pray that you would restore that childlike hunger to be in the presence of of the Father, for only you can satisfy. And I pray for those of us who are in this room today that they're feeling dry, they're feeling empty, and they've been turning to other things. They've been turning to other things to solve their anxiety problem. They've been turning to other things to solve their loneliness problem. They've been turning to other things to solve their problem that they have with fear. And Father, I pray you'd bring them back to you today. Thank you for the reminder through the mouth of children today of just how precious your presence is. So Holy Spirit, flood this place with every note, with every spoken word, with every touch, with every prayer prayed. Father, with every moment, let your presence be felt in this place. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Can we just give God some praise and have a seat this morning? And let's give it up one more time for our kids joining the team today. So proud of you guys. This is always a reminder to me that there is hope for the future. Amen. It's, it does my heart so good to see our young people on stage ministering to the Lord. That's the future. And it's the present. And I'm so excited to be a part of it. Students are joining us today, and we're actually going to be picking up where they left off um, on their Sunday mornings with Miss Ashley. First of all, can we just give Miss Ashley a hand clap this morning because she is rocking it and with those kids through K through five, and, and of course, she oversees her wonderful pre-K team, and they're all doing a fantastic job. What would we do without our kids' workers, guys? Isn't it good to know that our kids are in good hands on Sunday mornings and that they're getting the word in their heart, they're memorizing scripture, they're learning how to worship, and now we're developing their gifts on Sunday morning. I think that is something to celebrate. Come on. God is good, and we get to see it unfold. The Bible says that he likes to see the work begin. He enjoys seeing the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand, it says, because he loves the process. It's not just like, well, you're not a finished project yet. No, he loves to see the process, and God is at work in all of our lives, and that's what we highlight and celebrate today. Now, the kids have been going through a series called Let's Face It, okay? And so, let's face it. When people say that, what they really mean is let's be painfully honest about something. Has it ever been difficult to look at yourself in the mirror and be painfully honest about yourself, right? Or to acknowledge that you have a fault? That's kind of what we're talking about today. See, this series that our students have been in has dealt with the reality of sin, in our lives and its negative effect upon us. But not only that, 
But the power that God has to forgive us and heal us of our sins and set us free from the prison that sin puts us in. Amen. What a powerful truth to be teaching to our kids. And today, I believe God wants to use our kids to remind those of us who are older in the faith that sometimes we can forget the most fundamental parts of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as Paul says, it is good for you to be reminded But it's sometimes painful to be honest about the sin we have in our own life. And it's a lot easier to be honest about the sin you recognize in other people's lives. Amen? I told this story before, but allow me to tell it one more time. We in the Skeens household, uh, a moment of transparency, we have had to deal with some issues of anger in our house. And I want to blame it all on the children and say it's them. But you know what? Sometimes mom and dad have a little bit of an anger problem too. And I've been pretty honest and transparent about some of that. Well, I know that when we were really going through a difficult time, we made a decision, Ashley and I, that we were going to instill the word of God into our children and we were going to begin to memorize scripture. And so we were memorizing scripture and we were quoting it every night as a part of our tuck-in and prayer time routine and One of those verses we really hung our hat on because we had issues with anger in our house was a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a a harsh word stirs up the anger. Now, Emily was the cutest little thing. As you just saw, she still is the cutest little thing. I'm not biased or anything, right? But when she was little, you know how kids will like add an S to the end of words that aren't supposed to have an S. So she would quote the scripture and she would say, a gentle answer turns away wrath and a harsh word stirs up the angers. <laughs> and that little angers at the end was the cutest thing in the whole world. And, and so there was a moment in time where our kids were really acting up really badly. And both Ashley and I were getting pretty angry. I'm not just putting her under the bus, right? But Ashley's voice got a little bit elevated and her anger started to show in a very, very strong way. And of course, my quick-witted daughter, Emily, says, Mommy, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up the angers. Suddenly, this little crack of a grin began to appear on Ashley's face because she realized she'd been caught and trapped in her own words, and she had to face it in that moment that she wasn't exactly practicing what she preached. If you're a parent in here and you've been there, would you just heal us by uh, raising your hand and letting us know we're not alone? See, this morning, I want us to have that same opportunity to get painfully honest with ourselves that we are not the judge that we are not the judge. So there's a movie uh, that, uh, it's a really good movie. It's called Dragon, Dragonfly, I think, and it has Kevin Costner in it, and he's a doctor. And in one of the opening scenes, a teenage girl gets wheeled into the emergency room, and he's working the late shift, and she's coded. Her heart has stopped. He picks up her chart, and he finds out this is an attempted suicide. And so with that knowledge, he takes the chart, hands it to another doctor, and he says, you take care of this. I'm only interested in helping people that want to live today. And passes her on, leaving her fate in someone else's hands when he could, in fact, have done something about it. He was the best emergency doctor they had in the hospital. So naturally, he was reprimanded for this and called before his superior, and he got in big trouble. And you know what? A lot of times as Christians, I think we do the same thing. See, this doctor was stepping out of his first calling and acting as a judge instead of a doctor. Jesus said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. He said, I have not come for those who think they are righteous. I have come for those who know they are sinners and need to repent. As Christians, we need to remember that we've been called to be spiritual doctors and not judges. Amen? So we're going to open this by playing a little game because it is Family Fist Sunday and we're going to have some fun. 
okay? So we're going to play a little game. Here's what's going to happen, and I need the microphone real quick. Oh, I brought it up here already. That's right. Okay, so I am going to tell you something bad that somebody did. And I want the audience to determine what type of punishment that person should receive for what they did. Okay, so you guys are going to act as the judge right now. All right, so here's the first scenario, and this is for our young people. Okay, who in here likes Legos? Oh, that's everybody. Okay, so now listen. Here's the scenario. You worked for days, and you're really good at Legos, like a master. And you worked for days on building a life-size Lego statue of yourself, because that's how you feel about yourself, right? And it's so awesome that you almost can't tell the difference. Like, which one's the statue and which one's you? I mean, it is a work of art. And then five minutes later, after you finished, your sister barges into your room and she knocks Lego you down on the ground and breaks it into a million pieces. Now, I need to hear from a kid. What should be the punishment for this sister? Oh, Teddy, I'm going I'm, I'm to get an interesting answer from Teddy here, I know. What should be the punishment? Getting a spanking. Oh, getting a spanking, corporal punishment. Make that sister feel some pain, right? Anybody else have a, a good punishment for that? What do you think? Telling the parents. Telling the parents? Okay, what do you think the parents should do to the sister? Keep her in her room until tomorrow. Oh, keep her in a room for, locked down for 24 hours. That's awesome. Okay, okay, so next scenario. All right, that's good, that's good. All right, so here, your best friend at school told everybody at school your deepest, darkest secret, something you're really embarrassed about, like maybe you still use a blankie, right? Or maybe you still sleep with a teddy bear and you're 14 years old, you know, not not judging if that's you, right? Or it's this deep, or maybe it's you have a crush on somebody, and you made her swear not to tell. You made him swear not to tell. And now everybody knows, including your crush, what are you going to do? What's going to be the punishment? Let me hear from some other kids. All right, let's come to the back here too. Amir, what should be the punishment? I embarrass them more. You? Oh, okay. So you do something to embarrass them and get even. All right, who else? Okay, right over here. Miss Emily, what should the punishment be for them telling your secret? Roasting them. Roasting them. Oh, so just like insulting them, huh? All right. Oh, let's go to JJ in the back. All right, JJ. They told your deepest, darkest secret. You're so embarrassed. What's the punishment? So for a week, if they're like your friend, for a week, do not play with them. Okay, so don't play with them for a week. Very good answers. Very good answers. Okay, one more since I'm passing by you. Uh, <laughs> Death by hanging. Get them kicked out of school. Get them kicked out of school. Okay. Do you notice how the punishments are escalating a little bit? All right. So I don't want to let all the adults off the hook. Okay. So this one's for the adults. All right. So adults, someone cuts you off in traffic, almost causing an accident, okay? What should the punishment be? I mean, they really, you saw your life flash before your eyes, Mary. What should their punishment be? I'm sorry, but I'm going to be honest. Mary goes in front of that car and hits the brakes. Oh, brake check. Okay. Here's my witness. <laughs> yep. Confession is good for the soul. Amen. Anybody else? Any other adults got a, a creative um, punishment? Giancarlo. First of all, send it to the driving school. And secondary, praise the Lord, let it go, and don't get offenses. Oh, okay. Leave it to John to get all Christian on us. All right. One more scenario for the adults here, okay? Let's see, where'd we leave off here? Okay, so at work, someone takes credit for a job you did. And as a result, they either get promoted or maybe some sort of bonus. What should their punishment be? Somebody. This is for the adults, Teddy, the adults. 
Anybody? Who's got a creative punishment for somebody gaining off of your work? It's not fair. All right. Sheila rescued me. <laughs> just told Missy at uh, the next potluck, put laxatives in the brownies. <laughs> Whoa. That, that's pretty extreme. That's pretty extreme. I like how she said at the next potluck, like she's just assuming it's somebody from church that would do that, right? <laughs> Anybody else? An adult with a creative punishment. Oh, Rochelle, our holy and righteous worship leader. <laughs> What should happen? I would, I would give them bad ideas the next time. So. <laughs> there you go. That's like right out of a movie, right? You, you come up with this horrible idea and, and say, yeah, take credit for that one. Yeah, very interesting. All right. Well, let's give everybody a hand for their creativity. That was great. So you guys were pretty creative with your punishments, but I wonder what if you were the one that did all those bad things? Would you still pick the same punishment? Yes or no? Probably not, right? And so sometimes it's easy to be harsh on other people when they mess up. But it's easy to forget that you mess up too. And that's kind of what's going to happen in the story we're going to go through today. Let's check it out for ourselves, but before we do, I would like to invite everybody to stand, include every young person in here, and if you've got a Bible, I want you to grab it, and I want you to hold it up, because every time we open up this book, we are reminding our souls that it is God's Word, amen? And so we're going to read this statement together on the screen, okay, ready? One, two, three, this is my Bible, it is God's Word. When I read it and live it, I will become everything it says that I am. Amen. Now stay standing, and if you'll turn with me to John chapter 8, uh, verses 1 through 11. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the screen. Here we go. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Scandalous. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the, answer, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with a woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I go and sin no more. You can be seated. Father, thank you so much for this word, and we pray, God, that you would just illuminate uh, the truth of it and the application of it to our lives today. Open up our hearts to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. The main point of this message is very simple and very basic, yet very powerful. And a reminder we must all have today is do not judge others. If you are a student here and you picked up your bag today, you should have some fill-in-the-blanks to follow along with. First one, first blank is judge. Don't judge others. Others. Isn't it easy to pass judgment quickly? I told this story once before um, of a time when I was in Starbucks and there was a bad guy in Starbucks. Somebody say bad guy. Okay. And the reason why I determined he was a bad guy is because he came in and he was speaking very, very vulgar. He was being incredibly rude and he was making inappropriate comments to every woman waiting in line, like about what they were wearing 
about their body. It was so bad, so inappropriate. And I sat there with my coffee, incredibly offended. Immediately, this righteous anger started to rise up within me. And I was thinking about what I was going to say to this man to tell him off. Maybe even thinking about demanding that he leaves. It's very inappropriate. And of course, me wanting to do the right thing, I wanted to stand up for these women, right? Lo and behold, this guy orders his drink, and where does he come and sit down? Right next to me. There are empty chairs everywhere. He pops down right next to me, and he wants to comment on the women to me. So now I'm just like, you're just asking for it, dude. I'm about to tell you to step outside. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit checked my heart and just made me pause, kind of like Jesus did when he rode in the dirt. He said, hold on a second. Begin to ask this guy some questions. And what I learned was, yes, was this guy's words very inappropriate and sinful? 100%. Was there sin in his life? Absolutely. Was he living his life for Jesus? No way. He was so far away from God. But what I learned was something very, very important, that there was a lot more to this man's story than I could have ever known by just listening to the way that he talks to women. And as I began to ask him questions, he opened up to me and let me know that he was dying of cancer. And he only had a couple months left to live. And the way that he was behaving and acting was uh, an outcry for help because he didn't know what else to do. And so he's like, I'm going to die, so I might as well just have as much fun and enjoy as much pleasure as possible because he did not have the hope of Jesus Christ, of eternal life in heaven. There was nothing waiting for him on the other side in his mind. And so this man was, was without hope. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit began to change my heart and attitude towards this man. Why? Because he forced me to pause on the judgment. See, I thought he was just a bad guy, but it turns out there was a whole lot more to him. And we can, and we're supposed to judge people's actions. But when we start judging people, we put ourselves in God's shoes for he's the only one that's worthy to judge what's inside a man's heart. Amen? Nobody knows what's inside the heart of a man except for God. And Christians, we can do a lot of damage when we judge others and expect people to behave like Christians when they're not Christians. And what happens is we can end up doing more damage than good. What I believe God wants for us this morning is to learn to see sinners the way that he sees them we may not he may not approve of their choices but he loves them so much that he died on a cross for them now that is the greatest news ever told amen but yet we can behave in such a way that that message gets lost we don't want that to happen do we do we kids okay so how do we respond when we're around someone who is living their life in such a way that it offends us? It bothers us. Have you ever been in the presence of someone like that guy at Starbucks that like they make you really uncomfortable because they are so sinful, right? Maybe it's their language. Maybe it's what you know they do with their time. Maybe it's the stories they tell. But you just, you're tempted just to stay away from them. This morning, I'm going to give you three very simple ways to respond to people who are far from Jesus. To, res to respond to people who are trapped by sin. But I'm going to need some volunteers for this, okay? So first, let me see. I need... Oh, I should totally pick on the teenagers. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's get Danny. Let's get Danny. Come on, Danny. All right, Danny. Everybody give it up for Danny. Danny is going to be Jesus today. Okay. Well, oh, don't worry. I got you covered. But you're going to turn and face this way. Cause, and actually, I want you down here on the floor. I forgot. Okay, and face me because they can't see your, your, your mask yet, okay? Yeah, dude, what's up with your head, man? How big is your brain? All right, can you breathe okay? All right, awesome. 
Sorry, I just wanted to do that. All right, next, I'm going to need, I'm going to need a lady. Let's see. Hmm. Alyssa, come on up here. Okay, Alyssa. Now, Alyssa, I'm sorry to give you this role. Okay, but you're going to stand next to Jesus, and you're going to be a sinful woman. Okay? So you are sinful. But don't worry. Jesus is right next to you. Okay? All right. All right, so she's got her sinful woman mask on. And now, who do I need next? Oh, I need someone to represent an angry mob. Give me an angry person. Okay. All right, you, come here. Sorry, I forgot your name for a second. Remind me. Kylie. Kylie. That's right, Kylie. Kylie is going to be an angry, angry mob. Okay? And so we're going to put this. This bag looks like it'll fit halfway over your whole body. Look at that. Awesome. Okay, so I'm going to put you over here. Okay. Now, are you going to be okay with that on your head for a few minutes? You're not going to start panicking? Okay. One more volunteer. This, for this one, I need an adult. I need an adult. All right, let me see. Yeah, okay, Karen, come on up here. Let's give it up for Karen, everybody. All right, now who do you guys think Karen is going to be in the story? Yep, she's going to be a Pharisee. Okay, so you are the self-righteous, religious, judgmental Pharisee. So thank you. Okay, but that's just your, that's just your character. We know that's not who you really are. All right, so here's what happens. Now... Jesus, as you probably remember, traveled to lots of different towns. He's going to turn around and see, here's Jesus. Everybody say, hi, Jesus. He went all around preaching the good news of the gospel. So I want you to act that out. Okay, you are preaching. The, what are your preaching motions? There you go. Awesome. Okay. So he's preaching the good news of the gospel everywhere he goes. He's talking about the good news of God's forgiveness, right? Okay. So now Jesus, um, you're going to walk in place too because you're traveling, right? Okay. So he's traveling and he's telling people about forgiveness and salvation and all that great stuff. So one day Jesus went to the Mount of Olives to talk to the people in the Jewish temple. And so he comes a little closer to the crowd here. Right, Because he's teaching them uh, the, the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. And there was a huge crowd hanging on to every word he was saying because this guy could preach, right? And all of a sudden, there was a commotion in the room. Someone was interrupting Jesus, and some Pharisees stormed in. Dun, dun, dun. Okay? Now, along with this Pharisee was a sinful woman. Okay, so Pharisee, let me hear your evil laugh. You're the villain, so let me hear your evil laugh. Very good, very good, very good. Okay, so let me take you over to the side so everybody can see you, okay? And Pharisee, come on over here. And what I want you to do is I want you to take, well, let's go to her other side. She has a broken arm, okay? So I want you to take her, her wrist right here, okay? Because you've got her. She's trapped, okay? All right, so the Pharisees brought in a woman who had been caught sinning, and he, they made her stand in front of the whole crowd. How terrible is that? Whoa, she's been unmasked. And so the Pharisees explained to everyone in the room, picture this, that this woman had fallen in love with a man that was not her husband. They told the crowd that she hadn't been faithful in her marriage. Can you imagine how embarrassed she must have felt? So Alyssa, show me, show me how you would be embarrassed. Maybe drop down to one knee in shame. Can you do that in, in your dress? Okay, so she is just shame. You can't hang your head or your head will fall off. Okay, so you gotta keep your head up, okay? But see the shame on her face, all right? And so after explaining how the woman had sinned, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus a question and listened to what he said. In John chapter eight, verse five, it says, the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And so they put the question to Jesus. And so the person in the crowd comes into the story. And look at how angry this mob is. And she's like, kill, kill, kill. Right? Show, show us your, your angry rage fist. Okay, and you're like, this woman needs to be punished, right? Okay, so have you ever been caught in a sin before? Anybody in here ever been caught in a sin before? Yeah, how did it feel? 
Was it embarrassing? Now imagine that times like a hundred. If everyone, there's this huge crowd and they know exactly what you did. And now you're on display and the spotlight is directly on you. That's pretty scary, isn't it? And so even as the Pharisee was asking his question, some of the people in the crowd were already beginning to pick up stones to throw. So I want everybody to pretend like you're cocking your arm back, like you're ready to throw a stone at this, this woman over here, okay? And so here, here's your stone. Don't actually throw it, okay? Uh, but you're gonna hold it up and you're, you're gonna come over here to where the woman is and you are ready to fire, okay? Because you're angry. She is a terrible person. How could she do this? La-da-da-da-da, okay. So as the crowd was preparing to throw their stones at the woman, Jesus did something no one expected. He bent down, go ahead and bend down, and started writing in the sand. Oh, that's the Pharisee. I'm not good at this. Ashley does this every week. She's so awesome. So you're going to come over here, and you're going to bend down, and you're going to start writing in the sand, because this is what Jesus did. And there's something that we learn, I think, even in this step right here. One thing that Jesus did not do is he did not jump to conclusions, or he did not jump to judgment. And so in your notes, you're filling the blank there, says, don't jump to conclusions. See, we live in a culture today that rushes to judgment, don't we? We live in a culture that, like, as soon as you say something, you get canceled. We live in a culture that before all the facts come out, we go ahead and we take action. And that's something that we can fall into the trap in our little world as well, right? Even when it's not in the public eye, we can be way too quick to jump to conclusions. And no one knows for sure what Jesus was writing in the sand. He could have been playing tic-tac-toe for all we know. But maybe one of the reasons was to create space, to pause, to take a moment for a reflective response. Maybe it was an opportunity for the judgmental crowd to look inward themselves. And as they're sitting there demanding an answer, he's unfazed by it. He takes a moment to pause. And so whatever he wrote, it made the crowd rethink their actions and they begin to lower their arms. And so finally, Jesus stood up, Jesus, and he said, let the person who has never sinned throw the first stone at her. Now, guys, do you think there was anyone in the audience that had never sinned? What? No, right? Everybody had sinned. And so Jesus was asking them, and this is point number two, to remember your own sins. Remember your own sins. One by one, every person in the crowd began to put their stone down on the ground. So I'll take your stone now. And walk away. And then Jesus comes over to the sinful woman. Well, it's just right over here. Sorry, I know you can't see. And I'll bet the sinful woman, go ahead and stand up, sinful woman. She was incredibly relieved, probably ready to do a happy dance. What's your happy dance look like? Awesome, okay. Not super enthusiastic. You were about to die, Alyssa. Come on, where's your happy dance? Okay, a little bit, a little bit better. All right. So let's give it up for our volunteers. They can take their mask off now and head back to their seats. Now, I want you to turn with me in the Bible back to verses 10 and 11 as we listen to Jesus' response to this woman. And I want us to try to put ourselves in the place of this woman to feel what she would have felt to experience what she would have experienced in this moment. After all this had taken place, she was in the most embarrassing moment of her life. Her life was being threatened. And now suddenly it's only her and Jesus. And he approaches her. Can you imagine the anticipation? What is he going to say? Now that they've all gone, is he going to take this moment to be honest with me and tell me how dirty I am? What's going to happen? And what happens here, Jesus says in verse 10, it says, Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, 
Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. Point number three is this. Do for them what's been done for you. When you encounter those who are in sin, do for them what has been done for you. See, Jesus saw this woman as so much more than a sum of her past mistakes. Aren't you glad that Jesus sees you as so much more than just a list of all the mistakes you've made? He forgave her sin and he received her as a daughter. And by doing this, he set her free from the bondage that sin had her in. He changed her life forever. Now, Jesus was a doctor in this scenario, wasn't he? He did not play the part of the judge, for if he were to play the part of the judge, she would have remained in her sins and died in her sins. But Jesus instead bridged the gap so that she could be brought back to him. As it says in John, to those that believe, he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. Every single one of you in here, every Christian, has had a moment like this with Jesus. You carried the guilt for your sin, and you suffered, many of you, the consequences of those choices you made. But Jesus came alongside you, and he saw through the sin, and he gave you power to become his child. He forgave us. Why is it important for us to to consider the mistakes and the sins that we've made? Because it reminds us that when he looks at us, he no longer sees our sin, but he sees us and he loves us very much. And it reminds us that we are to do likewise. This is exactly what Jesus wants us to do for other people. And so we're going to break now for our table discussion. And we're going to discuss this question around our tables. Is there someone that you've looked down upon because of their bad behavior or their sin? How can God use you to bring them closer to Jesus? So I want us to think about that. Is there someone in your life that maybe you've looked down upon? Now listen, it could be in the form of actually saying mean things to them and judging them. It could also be in the form of I'm going to avoid them and never associate with them or act like they don't exist. It may be in the form of talking behind their back, whatever it may be. Or maybe it's just an attitude in your heart. But what's someone that you look down upon because of the way they live their life that God might want to actually use you to bring them close? So let's discuss, and then I'll come back. All right. All right, raise your hand if you had a good conversation at your table with the, with the young people at your table. Thank you so much, guys. Great job, kids. You guys are doing fantastic this morning. See, the reason why this is so crucial, church, is the way we interact with people trapped in sin will either bring them closer or push them further away from Jesus. Have you thought about it that way? The way you interact with those that are far away from God is going to have an impact on their life. It could have an impact on their eternity. And so it's so important that we take the example of Jesus and react the way and respond the way that he did and he still does today. I think a lot of times we get trapped as Christians of falling into this ladder mentality and it works against us in so many ways but when we view our relationship with Jesus this way we think okay the longer I go without sinning the higher I climb and the closer I get toward God okay but if you're walking along on a path and you trip and you fall it hurts but if you're at the top of a ladder and you fall it hurts a lot more why because you have further to fall. When you fall off a ladder, you don't usually just fall down one peg. You fall all the way to the bottom and you have to start all over at the beginning again. And we carry that mentality into how we treat other people. And so what happens is we look at 
the, the choices that people make around us that we don't like. And when we point it out, we put ourselves above that person. For instance, who in this room has ever told a lie? Well, shame on you. Don't you know the Bible says, thou shalt not lie? Now, I wonder who in the room has ever stolen anything in your life? Oh, shame, shame, shame. Now, I wonder, has anyone in here ever really wanted something that someone else had really, really bad? Oh, my goodness. You guys are just a bunch of sinners. I can't believe you even came to church today. Now, what, what do you see happening both physically and metaphorically here? Does anybody have an answer they want to just shout out? What do you see happening here? Huh, I keep going up. Yeah. I'm on a pedestal, right? I'm putting myself above you. But what is also taking place now physically is there's more distance between me and you. And the more I point out your faults while refusing to confront mine, I expand the gap that exists that was created by sin, and I make it seem like something that is completely uh, unable to be crossed. And yet, as a believer and a follower of Jesus, I've been called to bring people closer to Jesus. But when I refuse to acknowledge my own sin and I treat people differently because of the bad choices they've made, then I create distance where I was called to close the gap. I want to invite you to stand with me this morning as we close out our time today. This is why Jesus, see, we are, we are the only representation of Jesus that many people will see. Can I say that one more time? Young people, adults, you are the only representation of Jesus that many people will see in their life. And this is why Jesus warns us against judging others. He says in Matthew 7, 1, do not judge or you too will be judged. This is the memory verse for our kids this week. So students, with the adults, I want you to repeat this after me. Okay, ready? Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Matthew 7, 1. One more time. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Matthew 7, 1. It's so important that we remember this so that we can do what God has called us to do. See, when you judge someone, it means you look down on them. Like they're a bad person or like you're better than they are. But let's face it, you're not. You're not the judge. You weren't called to be a judge. You were called to be a doctor. Here's the good news. Jesus might look down on sin, but he doesn't look down on sinners. And so here's how we'd like to close out the day. In a few moments, the team's gonna lead us in a song. But before that, I'd like you guys to turn toward one another at your tables and take some time to maybe share with your table somebody who maybe you've looked down upon. And maybe if you haven't looked down upon them because you're like, I'm not in the habit of judging people that way. But maybe you realize you haven't reached out in a way that God could use you to bring them closer to him. I want you to think of someone to pray for today who's caught up in sin really bad and pray about how God can use you through love and forgiveness and mercy to bring them closer to God. Can we do that? So as the team plays softly, turn in towards your tables, share names, and then pray over those names together. And then the team will lead us in a song in a few minutes.
so much that you have so richly and freely poured upon you, poured your grace upon us, Lord. And we, we remember what we've been saved from and what we've been saved to and where you're taking us. And this week, I pray for just an emphasis and a focus in our own mind to be used by you, to love those who are difficult to love because of the things that they do. Uh, God, but I pray that you would use us to bring them close to Jesus. Father, we are the salt of the earth and the city on a hill. Lord, let our light shine before men, God, so that you will receive glory. We thank you. We give you praise. We thank you for this food and this time of fellowship that we're about to enjoy together. And I pray that we leave this place today just refreshed from one another and from your presence. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you'll stick around and hang out and enjoy one another. It's going to be a fun time. God bless you.